from Paradise by Toni Morrison. Rumors had been whispered for more than a year. Outrages that had been accumulating all along took shape as evidence. A mother was knocked down the stairs by her cold-eyed daughter. Four damaged infants were born in one family. Daughters refused to get out of bed. Brides disappeared on their honeymoons. Two brothers shot each other on New Year's Day. Trips to Demby for VD shots common. And what went on at the oven these days was not to be believed. So when nine men decided to meet there, they had to run everybody off the place with shotguns before they could sit in the beams of their flashlights to take matters into their own hands. The proof they had been collecting since the terrible discovery in the spring could not be denied. The one thing that connected all these catastrophes was in the convent. This is Gothic. Welcome back, Sojourners, to the Gothic Podcast. We're closing in on the end now of the first season, anyway, and maybe the end of our beloved characters who you've come to know and root for, just as I do, over this past few episodes. Uh, This is actually episode number 21 of the Gothic Podcast. Everybody, congratulations. Episode 21. Our podcast is old enough to buy alcohol. Wait. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost a year old. One episode per year. Yay. Dang, I can't believe it's almost a year. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's something. Wow, a year ago, that's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, that's wild stuff. Yeah, so it was like, what, the second week of January was when we put out the first episode? Man. Wasn't that long ago? That's crazy. Damn. So much wow. has happened since I then. I know, right? The world is <laughs> going Oh my god. Turn. When we started this, COVID-19 wasn't around, the wildfires weren't around, social unrest and protest weren't happening. Oh, uh, I think Australia was just oh, getting yeah, over Australia there. Crazy fire fires. Oh, that's yeah, right. Australia yeah. was fire yeah. on fire. There weren't murder hornets yet. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have the threat of nuclear co-annihilation with Iran. There's an asteroid passing by the Earth um, on the eve of um, Election Day, too, by the way. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if yeah. that was the plot of a movie, I'd be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Well, sci-fi. it's supposed to pass, like, a long way away, not like that really okay. close one that came, like, 3,000 miles ago, away or yeah. something. This one's, like, 12,000 miles away or 20, something like that. What if it just, um, what if it didn't hit Earth, but it just uh, pulled the moon out of orbit and stole the moon? God damn it. That'd be amazing. <laughs> My moon! When last we left our intrepid heroes in the Gothic then, Grace Moreau, Chauncey Candlewick, Laurie, drastic things had happened. They defeated the Dweller with great cost. Laurie lost their angelhood, their very divinity, while Chauncey Candlewick lost his evilness. (laughs) Immortality. His rage, his immortality, and his darkness, more importantly, taken from him. Whether that is a a hollow loss is yet to be seen. But what is seen as the last remnants of Castle Cain rise into the air is something fluttering down toward the receding carriage, which is what now holds Lori and Chauncey and Grace. Which is driven by Grace's coachman, Guillaume. It's the, it's the French version of William. Something lands in the mud of the road up ahead, and as the carriage rolls by it at speed, pulled by the four horses in front, the side door opens, and Chauncey Candlewick leans out, reaches down, and grabs up his coat that has fallen from the sky. That's right. I'm going to dust this thing off. It's a bit muddy, but... Actually, as you touch it and pull it into the, the coach, it, it actually sparks with a bit of uh, magic, a bit of power. Something has been infused in it from it being there at the destruction of the dweller and 
the disintegration of Castle Kane. I should whip this up. You immediately feel it snug into your body. The shape of it, well-tailored, but somewhat out of fashion, is a comfort to you, especially since your hat is gone and your head is bare. Yeah, do something about that. As the coach rolls toward town, uh, slipping and sliding in the mud, the horses panting up ahead, Laurie, your divinity is gone. It has been swept away with the destruction of the dweller and the loss of the fall of heaven, the spear. What's going through your mortal head right now? It's gone. My link. I feel cut off from everything. I don't feel quite as alive, but somehow, somehow there's a different feeling, a need to protect the lives that are around me, and realizing that now my life is limited to do whatever I can to protect themselves and me. John T. Candlewick, you now have a coat. Mm-hmm. You feel a bit of a weakness in yourself. That unholy strength is gone, that your immortality fueled, that your darkness fueled. The sense of eternity stretching out before you is no longer there. What's going through your head? I'm uh, going to, you know, I, I think it's kind of like, maybe not too similar to remembering how to ride a bike. There was a long time ago when I used to feel like this all the time. This was normal. and So it's kind of sad to be back to it. There's a little bit of, there's a little bit of morose right there. That feeling creeping up on you. I contemplate what's going to happen to me now. You know, will my mind go? Will I slip? Will age? Will time suddenly catch back up to me? How long exactly do I have? And more importantly, what am I going to do with the time that I have left? But there is one other thing sparking around in your head, too. Symbols, runes, formula, shapes to be drawn in the air and to draw out power. Those things that you learned while you were an immortal, are not gone. And instead, now newly mortal, they seem enhanced. That as if your immortality, as if that sense of eternity gave you a sort of an ennui that didn't allow you to access those magics quite as thoroughly as perhaps you would have been had you been mortal all, all the time. But the knowledge is there now, and with your new mortality, So comes new ways of seeing it, new intuitions, and you hold your hand out, and a flame rises from your palm there in the carriage. It crackles and burns for a moment, and then winks out. Uh, Chauncey, could you always do that, or is that... Um, you know, I think I might have forgot it somewhere along the way. Huh. Things, it's, it's funny, you know, when the extraordinary becomes mundane, but I guess I'm just like you. Hmm. Speaking of which, oh, this is weird. Grace Moreau, you did not come out of this unscathed, but you did not come out as changed physically as Lori and Chauncey. You see the differences in them. Uh, You see that they are no longer the flip sides of one coin. They are something new to themselves. But you, you just came out of it with a greatly reduced wardrobe. I'm going to need to visit the tailor. Something else has happened to you. Um, what is it? What, what has this experience done to Grace? I think Grace probably feels a lot older and more experienced than she did at the start of this, even though this was a 24-hour period, which is horrifying to contemplate. But um, I actually, the move that I took shortly before we started recording was uh, Fortunes, which, uh, as it's written, is the sect has, like, You know, the sect to which I belong has prophecies and divination techniques to predict the future. But I think it might be interesting for Grace to start, like, herself piecing things together and uh, have that be a bizarre side effect of something that's happened. Things are starting to click into place. You are starting to see the prophecies that you were forced to read and memorize in a new light. And on that note, actually, uh, Lori, you appear to be not entirely mortal or rather mortal-enhanced, perhaps, because even as the carriage rumbles along, you gain a vision. You, in your new playbook, have a move called Destiny's Plaything. So if you would roll for that, it is plus weird. 13. God, nice! Nice! (laughs) 
Good first nice. roll. Oh, right. yeah. The keeper will reveal a useful detail about the coming mystery. <laughs> Waiting. No pressure. Lori, you're traveling there in the rolling, rocking carriage. You're injured. Your companions are injured. Bloods build everywhere. And you close your eyes for a moment. And in that moment comes a vision. A vision of something strange. It's a door. And the door says library above it. And on the door is a sign. And the sign says, closed for repairs, April 2018. And you put your hand on the door and you open it. And inside you see a library. And standing against one wall of the library is Lazarus Kane. And then you open your eyes. And you open your eyes to the carriage coming to a stop, the horses whinnying as, as it comes to a pretty abrupt stop as the uh, coachman um, reins in hard. And you hear a voice call from outside, Grace, uh, Lori, uh, Mr. Candlewick, are you all in there? It's me, Nathan. Come on, get out here. I pop my head out and look at him suspiciously. Nathan, I, I pop my head right around Chauncey's. <laughs> I pop my head around them so we're all stacked up. <laughs> uh, you are at the edge of Bledson. There is a mist falling, uh, so you cannot see the sky to see if that strange skull moon is still up there. But that is not, of course, what gathers your attention. It's, it's Nathan Redbone standing there in the mud in front of you. His clothes are torn. He has bloody, what look like maybe claw marks all across him. His... He has a sword that he has gotten from somewhere, and it is bloody as well. He is pretty beaten up, and he goes, "She's. I. I know she's. She's in the church, but I can't get. I can't get to her. I. I was gonna try to. I was gonna try to say. You told me to keep her safe, and I. 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 I couldn't find her in time. Nathan. 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 And there's things coming from everywhere, and. Uh, they're coming behind me right now. And in fact, even as he says that, figures start loping out from the alleyways from which he must have come. And those figures, shambling such as they are, are somewhat familiar, mm-hmm. but yet somewhat not. They are the servants of Castle Cain, but they're not ghosts anymore. They are the risen dead, having dug Ugh. themselves up out of the cemetery. Oh, no. From which they were buried. Leftover. <laughs> Let's do a bit of a scene change here. No, I want to get out of the oh, carriage. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. At the house, Dr. Grace Moreau what? opens the door of her room, the room that is themed as in the movie The Ritual, with its forest walls and its strange hints of things moving beyond the trees. And she opens the door to a knock, and standing there is a uh, not tall, but uh, average-heighted fellow. Uh, He has slick-backed black hair. He is wearing glasses. His uh, suit is very nice. He's not wearing a jacket uh, with his um, shirt and pants, but uh, he is wearing a vest. And LJ, you see this too, because you have just come in from your room. Uh, to talk to Dr. Grace a bit. And this guy says, um, Ah, uh, Dr. Morrow, I am, uh, uh, I, I hear that you, you went to school with me. Um, I, I'm Lazarus Kane. And LJ, you, this guy does not look like the Lazarus Kane that you saw in the 50s, although it does bear some similarities in the facial features, but not, not enough even to be a different aged version. What do you do, Grace? I know we didn't know each other well, but when I received the invitations, I racked my memory. Oh, of course. Do you remember um, Dr. Glenham? Hmm. Was that the tall fellow who always wore bow ties to class? Act under pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate this interaction in real life, and apparently Grace does too, because she rolled... uh, a four total. Mark experience. Oh, yeah. You have no recollection of Dr. Glenham whatsoever. <laughs> I must have only known him by his first name. Kane smiles and says, Well, I do hope you will enjoy your stay here at uh, the house. 
Uh, we've only been open here in this location for a year, and uh, we, we feel that it is the finest of our properties, uh, of course. And he leans in close. Quite haunted. Of course. Why else would one wish to stay in such a locale? But um, I hope to uh, discuss in the near future our, our time at school, uh, perhaps at, uh, at dinner this evening. You and your uh, friends would be so kind as to uh, join me in my private dining hall for a bite. Of course, we would be honored. Um, LJ, do you have any dietary restrictions? Uh, like, you know I'm good with whatever. With that, he gives a little bow and, um, and turns and uh, starts walking away. And he turns back and then says, Oh, I will uh, make sure that um, someone comes for you. And um, yes, we'll talk about old times. I look forward to it. And people we both know. And then he continues on and he, you see him go down the stairs toward the lobby. Uh... <laughs> Gracie, that was creepy as hell, man. I'm extremely discomfited, and not just because of my social anxiety. LJ, y- you know I didn't didn't go to school with this man. Why is he playing along? Um, what <laughs> what could he want? Well, it's obviously not the money, because we got the tickets to come in for free. This is true. So I'm thinking what ulterior motives he might have up his sleeve, man. He uh, controls the goo monsters, does he not? Found out something from them. <laughs> the slosh monsters. <laughs> this. I mean, what do we really feel from this guy and this place so far? It just seems like the big hocus-pocus illusionist, ooh, I'm David Copperfield bullshit, man. Yes, well, clearly the hallway um, that we encountered downstairs was, was made haunted by mechanical means and, and, and tricks. Okay, Gracie, uh, but there was serious, like... Um, metaphysical uh, chemical reactions or something. They picked at the right no, frequencies. Believe, yes. There was science involved. And I want to know if there's more. Well, yes. I mean, I'm not saying nothing's going on. Just that um, whatever he's marketing to tourists isn't what's, isn't what's truly happening. It, there's, there's, there's meaning behind the business strategy. Okay. Remind me again how many other missing people have been involved with the house other than Haven. Um, I don't recall exactly. It's it's like a bunch, right? Because Haven was looking into missing people. Yes, if you would like to investigate a mystery. Uh, sure. Yeah, I have Haven's notes. It makes sense for that. I know the moves by now. It's an 11. Hold two. Let's investigate a mystery. How about what happened here? Does that fit for that uh, question? You pull out your laptop and uh, throw it onto the bed and and um, start tapping away at it. Jacob, what are you doing during this time? I actually would like to spend the last hold I had from last session. Ooh. I had a hold. What I was trying to figure out is I wanted to continue my, my the way I picked up on the cameras in the lobby. And I wanted to see if my room has cameras or surveillance in it or anything like that may be going on. I want to continue that same thing. Do you have a equipment that you use for that or do you just go through and like unscrew all the light bulbs and... I try to think back to my detective skills. Of course, at this point, I'm pretty sure it's more paranoia than anything that's, that's driving me forward. Knocking on walls, tapping on things. Just, I want to give my room a, like a once-over. You look around and yeah, it, it you unscrew the light bulb and you look at it and it's... Uh, it's actually a pretty high-tech little piece of equipment. Uh, one, it's a, a smart bulb, so it is able to be dimmed or change colors or whatever remotely. Okay. But the fixture itself, you see, does have a uh, what appears to be a, a small microphone in it. Ooh. So does uh, one of the lamps. Uh, I, sorry, what was your room? Uh, the the Poe, Edgar Allan Poe one. Uh, and there's the thumping from underneath the uh, floorboards, too, uh, which is a bit of a distraction as you search. But there's a, a lamp that also appears to have a microphone. But the strangest thing is behind a mirror that is over the dresser. And it's this big antique mirror. And you're looking at it, and you get your face really close. And you see that it is a um, two-way mirror, which you anticipated. And you see a camera behind it, you think. Mm. But then you realize it's not. It's not a camera. 
It's a projector. Oh, ha, 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 ha. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. In that case, I would like to make my way to to the good doctor and my buddy. And uh, yeah, I'd like to go. I'd like to go. I'd like to go to their room and find them. You uh, pop your head into uh, LJ's room, but nobody's there. But next door, you hear voices, and you figure they're they're in there. Do you knock or do you just go in? I'm just open the door, put my head in, like wave. And you see both of them there. Grace is tapping away at the computer, scrolling through Haven's notes. And a, a, a quick perusal of those is that it looks like it's it's not a lot. It looks like it's maybe five or six. None here, but of course. Um, Haven, you know, got here at opening. So technically, Haven's the only one who's disappeared here at this specific location. Ooh, I want to cough as loud as I can. And then Jacob has a coughing fit. I mean, Heather is the only cat who ran away from my neighbor. What the fuck is going on? Uh, All the others escaped from the shelters. Yes, I want to want to wave them down, like you know, give them like shh. Want to like motion for some like pen, pencil, paper, anything, anything. Come on. Actually, though, manipulate someone. Um, I use tough. <laughs> <laughs> Snatch my laptop. Uh, that is going to be a eight. Yeah, so you you you're like shushing them. You're waving your hands around. For, you're making the motion of writing something on a piece of paper. Guys, you get the uh, impression, and you got it a little faster, maybe, Doctor Grace, since you started trying to cover already. But then you <laughs> kept talking. But he he apparently wants you to shut up. If you do so, you get to mark experience. Ooh, yeah. I'll stop babbling about cats. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'm like motion for like. Pencil, paper, anything to draw on or write on. LJ Mouse. Okay, okay. Come on. I hand him my notebook. Okay, I'm going to write real quick. So we're being watched. The rooms are bugged with surveillance equipment. Uh, Even found a projector in my mirror. Not safe. And I'm going to pass it slowly over. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at Gracie. And I'm going to be like, uh, I'll pick up the pen and be like, just illusionist bullshit. With a big question mark. I snatch the pencil and the paper from LJ and I write goo in all capitals and then underline it. Okay, I'm going to write back, scratch out the goo, and um, like basic surveillance equipment. Microphones, things with a light, and a projector. Maybe camera. I don't underline that. I'm going to hand that back to you. Something cracks from behind your bed, Dr. Grace. Oh. The the trees back there that look like they kind of stretch off into infinity, even though you know that right behind the wall is LJ's room. But something sounded like timber cracking back in there. I'm going to take the notepad back and write um, sound effects, question mark, or listening tools. Both with a question mark. And then I'm going to put it again in big capital shouting letters. Not safe. I'm going to write in big capital letters, play along. (laughs) (laughs) I flip him off. (laughs) Can I see if I can find uh, a mic in my room? Uh, You certainly can. Uh, Read a bad situation. In the meantime, I'm going to pick up the pad and be like, it's okay. As I write down, can you connect into the system, Grace? 11. And pass it over to Grace. I'm going to use the same read a bad situation question as... uh... As Nathan used, uh, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Knowing now that those things are there, it is fairly easy to um, find the the gear, especially since you probably in your doctor's bag have scanning equipment that would actually do that rather than just good old-fashioned unscrewing of the light bulb. Uh, you come up with 12 speakers, four microphones, one holographic projector, and two video cameras. Holy crikey. God, we are not private. <laughs> two cameras? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Can I do to the cameras first the same thing that I did to the cameras downstairs? Zap them? You did a light reflection thing on the ones downstairs. Did, was it a, a weird roll? Was it a use magic? Yeah. So it's use magic, but you're using science-y stuff to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. It's a uh, nine to zap cameras. 
I don't remember what the effect was that I used last time, but that one. And then I'll, I'll do the same glitch to a uh, short duration. It gets a plus one because of the reading a bad situation thing. So that put you up another 10. <gasps> oh, right. So it actually will not have that glitch. Um, you can control when they are on and off just by hitting a, a button on your cobble together device. Perfect. Can I use my other investigate a mystery hold and ask what can hurt it? And it meaning the mic systems with the intention of like, how do I nullify the sound system? Yeah. There may be a, a single bundled cable, but probably not. So what can hurt it is getting into the security room downstairs and turning it off from there. Okay. All right. I'm going to write on the scratch paper. Are we safe yet? Can we talk? And then hold it up to Grace. I give a thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. I think I want to see if I can like, you know, with video cameras, there's, um, you know, feeding it a loop of film. I want to take like a similar idea, but with sound and feed like a sound loop to the microphone system so that it still picks up. It thinks it's picking up noises, so it's not gone completely dead, but can't actually record what we're actually saying. Potato chip bag and just crinkle it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Communicate with something that you do not share a language with. (laughs) Ooh, okay. That's um, use magic. So you're going to modify your equipment there. Do I still get a plus one? You are still uh, acting on the dangers you haven't noticed part two yet. Well, it's still a six. Let me see what goes wrong when you fail to use magic. It goes very badly. Um, you have it all turned off, and you, and you feel safe enough to say it to everybody because you know that the sound and stuff is not hearing anything. <clears throat> I'm going to feed it a, a loop of uh, information. You, you do some rigging, and then you hit play on it, and instead of it being you all's voices coming through from something you randomly recorded in the past 24 hours, it is just this huge squelching, awful, <laughs> glitching sound, and it's coming from every speaker in the house. Oh my god! Oh snap! That's so funny, actually. It's like really computers like screaming. What the hell, Gracie? Did you fry the whole system? I might have fried the whole system. We will now scene change back to Grace Moreau, Laurie, and Chauncey Candlewick. Uh, they're at the outskirts of Bledson. I leap down from the carriage and go to Nathan's aid. Nathan Redbone, the undead. He collapses to his knees even as you get up to him. And then um, those figures, though, are still coming from behind. They look awful. They are in various states of dead, but obviously not dead. Their skin is dripping off of them in places. Some are far more decomposed than others. Rib cages showing, uh, internal organs all putrescent inside, faces half there and half not, eyes sometimes gone, sometimes bulging out, sometimes sunken. The expressions on those terrible faces is a horror in and of itself. It's something ravenous and hungry and unleashed. Ooh. Um, so Nathan Redbone has collapsed and he's looking really bad, right? He fell to one knee. He hasn't completely lost it, but he is uh, bloody uh, all over, much like you guys are. That's true. We don't look much better. What is going on here, Nathan? He looks up at uh, Lori and Chauncey, and he goes, Did you uh, uh, get your hair cut? <laughs> Knock him out. <laughs> I can still swallow your soul. So, something's different. Can I, like, lift him to his feet and, like, usher him back towards the carriage? And I'm trying to get him in the carriage and tell Guillaume to get himself and Nathan and the horses out of there. You absolutely can if you successfully roll protect someone. It's a 12. You get to uh, choose an extra effect. Ooh, with protect someone, the extra effects are you suffer little harm, all impending danger is now focused on you, you inflict harm on the enemy, you hold the enemy back. I'm going to pick that one. You hold the enemy back. You hurry, Nathan, to the carriage. The um, uh, Your coachman is, is standing up in the driver's seat up there. Uh, he has reached beside him for a very large crossbow that is there. He raises that and fires it into the crowd of approaching zombie things. It plows into one and they go sprawling. 
and it kind of trips the others up. That gives you enough time to get Nathan into the coach itself. But one of them was a little spryer than the others and has gotten in right behind you and claws you in the back. No! For one harm. Okay. You have armor, correct? I do. Do I still have the Quiris on? The, uh piece of chest armor. Yeah, uh, yes, I believe you do. Yeah, you lost the gigantic weapon you were toting. Yeah, I, I lost my my only good weapons that I've ever had in this whole thing. Uh, I would like to borrow Nathan's sword, though. Its hand gets kind of caught in the cuirass. Oh, Patrick! <laughs> it yanks it before you can jerk away. It yanks on some of the straps. It twists it a little bit. You have minus one forward, so just a minus one on your next roll. Oh, God dang it. Lori and Chauncey, what are you going to do? I'm going to rip the glove off my hand. I'm going to show the tattoo of the Necronomicon gate on my back. And I'm going to summon the magic I have with it. And I'm going to unleash a blast of magical fiery doom upon these undead fiends. Dang! <laughs> I'm going to push past him. Push past Grace. I'm going to rank, I'm gonna try to bring these guys to, to a range as best I can. You know what? I'm going to target the one that's on, on Grace. Well, no, no. I don't want to set her on fire. I'm going to target the yes, one. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been so bad. Okay, I'm just going to, yeah, just oh, let's just start unleashing, unleashing hate that way. You instinctively go for that well of hate to bring up this fire, but it's not there. It's not. Instead, it's pure calculations and angles and... It's it's pure calculus and geometry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that would make sense. God forbid math ever save us all. To all the grade school math teachers, he's using math in real life. Like how? <laughs> I'm using that forbidden geometry. It's cold and empty, and what you are inside now. <laughs> Damn it! I want to unleash a torrent of fire on one of them. I want to try this out. That is, what is my new weird? Oh, my weird is less than it was. That's an 11. I am going to give a plus one forward to Lori with my my extra kick at. How do you see this happening? What is it about this that is inspiring Lori to greater heights? Basically, just blast them to a point to get their attention for that split second advantage that Lori might be able to capitalize on. Now that you two have held the fall of heaven in your hands collectively, fought the dweller. You're now clicking as a team. Ooh, we're a team. God, it's all squishy and fuzzy on the inside. Fire, fire roars out from you. What's this look like? Just straight fireball, blast of, of arcane fire. Not, nothing special this one. This is just normal, normal, normal burning hot flames. How much damage? Four. Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's an inferno. It's <laughs> <That's> so ridiculous. <laughs> One of them, this fireball engulfs it, and it just incinerates, screaming all the while in this horrible sound. It's just like... <laughs> and one of them's just gone. Lori? Okay. Um, Lori, at first, is going to take stock of the situation... I really just kind of want to see, like, what is going on in the battlefield? Who is um, the biggest threat? Um, are my friends in danger? Right next to you, Chauncey has leapt out of the coach, and he just puts his hands out, and this wave of fire goes out and becomes this fireball coalescing in the air and then wraps around this undead thing and, and just incinerates it. And, and this is, you know, reasonably inspiring. <laughs> Read a bad situation. You have a plus one on that. Oh, excellent. Let's see. Six plus two plus one. Cool. All right, nine. Can I help out? What What do you see yourself doing? Golly, I don't know. Um, There's one in my armor. Did you see it? <laughs> Laurie, look. I can pull its arm off. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking something like, you know, seeing how many there were or something like that, but I can't think of it. Like shouting out numbers and... Laurie, there are precisely 13 of them. <laughs> Let's see how you do on your help out. So roll help out. That's plus cool. Ah, oh, 
Okay. Well, it's a four, so. (laughs) Grace isn't good at counting. Grace shouts out that there are eight of them, but at about that time, another six come out from a different alley. So, no, you are locked in at your nine, so you get hold one on that read-a-bad situation. I will go with, what's the best way to protect the victims? Victims being you? Victims being me and my friends. You just saw Chauncey throw down a pretty powerful fireball. What you also see is that right now, all but like two or maybe three of these things is right underneath the wall of a big brick building that if somebody were to lay a fireball like right at the base of that sucker. Chauncey, do you know of Jericho? As I mention, as I motion towards the wall. What does that have to do with anything, Laurie? Of course, Chauncey does, but when you say that, and Chauncey looks over at the wall, biblical references are not what he's thinking of. He's thinking of a time back in a war when he and his knights were fighting in the streets and cannon fire brought down the building all around him. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah, let's do that. Grace, do you know any magics that can bring down that wall? Well, I know of them, but I have to get over to it first. I'm, uh trying to push this zombie off of me or hit it or something (laughs) it's a uh, it's an eight you do some harm how much with your dagger i mean i'm gonna use the dagger it's stab it off of me it's a one harm you stab it in the eye it actually sizzles a bit and you think that it takes a little bit of extra damage than what it should have and it goes down Ooh, silver nice chauncey you're up. Here we go, conjuring up some more fire, balling it up in my hands as much as I can, and I'm going to sort of unleash it at that wall. This is getting kind of fun. Um, so is this a, do I still kick ass towards the wall, or how does this You work? are not kicking the wall's ass, no. Oh, I would, though. This is Act Under Pressure. Oh, my ancient enemy. Oh, oh, it's a seven. It's a seven. <laughs> Here are your choices. Your fireball goes off at the base of the building, and it collapses, but it collapses toward you all, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to hit you guys too, or it collapses, but not quite the right way. It only catches about half of them, Okay. or it collapses, gets all of them clean, does no harm to you and your your carriage or the, even the horses. But there were people in the building. Oh, oh no. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I'm feeling a little chaotic. I'm going to take the whole building and I think we can handle it. Let's take it all. And we're all going down. The building takes his fireball to the base and it just rumbles through and under it. And it billows up and then explodes from within. And the building, as it buckles, almost like it's on a wave on the sea. And the whole thing comes too far your direction as it's falling. And you know that it's going to uh, collapse on you. But Lori's in the midst of doing something while all this is going on. What are you doing, Lori? Lori sees everything that is going on and can't have it all end like this. To be smashed by a building after what we've been through? (laughs) Are you kidding me? So, Lori tries to reach out to what used to be his divine help and to do something that is beyond what he really feels now, what he used to know, and cast a shield around him and his friends, protecting them. You can do this? Awesome. You try to do this. Oh. You reach out for those those powers that you had and you you feel some, but you just don't you don't feel the the power there that there used to be. You don't feel that ability that you had. But as the bricks rain down around you, you do find something else happens. They rain around you, but only a few bricks get through. One harm to everyone, not armor defeating. Oh, that's good. Okay. Magic close! <laughs> and as you look up, Lori, you see that it's not you creating a dome above your head, but an angel glowing and bright, shining with divinity. And they look down at you, and there's a strange expression on their face, one that you can no longer read being mortal. But it is Carolas, 
the gatekeeper of heaven, and then he fades away, and the rest of the bricks rain down. The building has rolled off to either side, doing a a bit of damage. Nothing as bad as it would have been had the whole building fallen on you. So yeah, you all have a minus one forward on this because of bricks hitting you in various places, but it's nothing like the harm that you would have taken, which all of the zombie things have taken. And now all you see is bodies underneath the bricks. Some twitch a little bit, but then they stop moving. There is screeching all through the house. Every speaker is, is howling. What do you do? Holding my ears and rolling on the ground and going, What the hell, Grace? Stop, make it stop. I want to turn it off. I want to turn it off. Jacob? I'm all like burst out of the room, like with holding, clutching my ears, hoping that the noise isn't as bad outside the room than it is inside the room. I bet it's worse because the atrium probably echoes. I'm just going to be disappointed constantly. Yeah, no, it's quite loud out there too. I, I might join the screaming and writhing and try to prevent as much damage to my ears as possible. Read a bad situation. Okay. You got this, buddy. You can move that too, okay? I can. Eight. You were looking around, trying to figure out your best option, right? Best way to protect the victim? Yeah, we'll do that. Why are we always the victim? (laughs) (laughs) You look around, people are coming out of the room. There's not a lot of other people here, uh, but you see a a few, and uh, people are coming out of the rooms, and they're holding their ears, too, so there's no sucker in those directions. But your eye does lay on one door, that you're pretty sure would have no speakers or microphones or cameras behind it. Lazarus Kane's study. On a level from 110, exactly how bad is this paint? It's really pretty loud, but I mean, it's not overwhelming. To, I mean, it's not going to kill you or anything, but it is, it, it is, it's loud enough to be distracting, to be, to make your brain kind of muddled. Um, in that case, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to go straight for that door. You crash through the door and into Lazarus Kane's study, kicking the door closed behind you. As soon as it closes, it's almost absolute silence. It's like it's a soundproofed room. Oh, that makes me nervous. Kane's study is done in 19th century gloom. Heavy, dark furniture, thick Middle Eastern rugs, and a sepia-colored world globe. His desk is huge and also dark-colored wood and heavy, but something uh, interestingly on it catches your eye. It's a book. Where's Kane? I expected to have words with him. I don't want to take my eye off this pretty book, though. Yeah, he's not in here, so there is another door out of this chamber. If the door actually goes where uh, geographically it should, then um, it would go into the library. I will take it an opportunity when I see one. I want to... uh quickly get up to this book. Maybe this has some answers to this uh, mystery that's going on, and I can use this distraction. It's not large. It's more journal-sized, but the cover is of some sort of wood that's been carved, uh, but almost lacquered at that point, so that it's smooth and ripply. Fancy. Okay. Um, is it heavy? As I pick it up. <laughs> it is not particularly heavy. Okay. I'm going to turn it over, man. There's nothing on the spine. Nothing? Uh, no. But it looks like it would be rather important, right? It's sitting there on Kane's desk. Out in the open. You know what? I'm going to slide this into my pocket, and I'm going to go find... Oh, God, there's screaming outside. Speaking of which, Grace, you're trying to stop this. Uh, what is? What are you trying to do here? My first instinct is to yank the microphone out of the floor, the one I was futzing with. It sounds like you're acting under pressure here. Okay. Uh, it is a 12. I can't lower that enough. You just lucked out, didn't you? I just lucked out. I was going to turn on everything. All the holographic projectors, all the... uh, (laughs) It was going to be a madhouse. That would have been funny. (laughs) Well, you can always choose to fail and take a... uh, No! Take an XP. (laughs) No! I want to turn it off. Dr. Grace, there's a microphone in the floor. You're clawing at it, but it's not doing anything. So the best you can figure is you've just got to rip it out. You yank off your prosthetic leg with the claw uh, arm on it, and you activate the claw arm and just jam it into the floor, and just it just starts 
hydraulics just start whirring and it just rips up the flooring of this room and just mangles the wiring that's underneath there and the sound stops. Is that the end of it or is there more to come? Well, I hope that I have done what I originally intended to do and maybe blown out a few speakers in the process. And where'd Jacob go? I don't know. Maybe you should go after him. All right. I'll go to see what's going on with Jacob. I'll stay here and see if I determine whether the mics are off. All right, LJ, you um, go out into the main area where the atrium is and... Ooh, do I get to use my... Don't worry. I'll check it out, Gracie. Yes, you do. Awesome. You see the door to Lazarus Kane's study open, and you see Jacob peek out and then look cautiously around as if he might be attacked by sound at any moment. It's a, it's a real possibility. But he's over there at the door of Lazarus Kane's study. Walk up to him and be like, what happened, dude? Shake my head a little bit. Ugh. Like, you know, kind of play with my ears some. Like, God. Hey, hey, um... I'm going to look around. Is anybody watching us? There are guests out in the hallway or out in the atrium, and they are looking around kind of confused, shaking their heads, which is kind of odd. And then one of them, a young woman in her uh, mid to late 20s, she looks around and goes, Red? Red? Where are you, Red? I'm going to holler back and shout at everybody in the lobby. It was the ghosts! That's so on brand. And I'm going to like turn my head away from everybody else and just kind of snicker. <laughs> the ghosts! Uh, everybody looks over at, at Jacob. And I'm going to just like scream at them. <laughs> They're probably like so shell-shocked. They're like, what's going on? A couple of them start down the stairs. A couple of them look around kind of confused looking and then also head downstairs in case this was all a fire alarm or something. Whisper under my breath. I was like, hey, let's get back to the room. Got something I think might be of some importance. It'll get you guys too! <laughs> okay, I think that's enough, dude. Let's, like, get back to Grace. Make sure everything's all right. So what are you talking about? I'm pretty sure most of those of them shapeshifting gooby monsters. They're just lucky I don't, uh, I can't tell right now. Uh, you get back into Grace's room. There's a little bit more damage than when you left. Uh, Jacob. Oh, God. What did you do? Listen, the microphone was very embedded in the floor, and um, I just needed to get it out as quickly as possible. <laughs> okay, Gracie, but what's the extent of this? Did this, like, go out through the whole system? Do we not have to worry about the illusion crap anymore, and we can really get down to what's really going on? Well, I, I don't know. I don't have ways of testing the entire system, only what's accessible to us here in this room. Well, hey, hey, hey. Gather around. I want to... I'm going to show you something. I'm going to get close to all of them. Yeah, a little huddle. I'm going to take the book out, right? I'm going to show, show, flash this book to you guys. And then I'm going to pick up that piece of paper and that pencil, right? I found this in Lazarus's study. He seems to have uh, been reading through it, paying attention to it. It looked important. I stole it. Could this be the book that Haven was talking about, man? She told me to find the book, and you come walking into the room she, with a book. She did. Are you kidding me right she, now, dude? She told you to find the book. I'm going to hold up the piece of paper and the pen, and then I'm going to pass it to LJ. Dr. Grace, you know that your blocking device is fully controlled by you still. Uh, it's it's all right, Jacob. Uh, I believe in this room we are safe to speak, which is lucky, because you're right, it's the book. She told you to find the book and me to find the blood. There was a third thing. But Jacob couldn't remember it. I couldn't. Jacob has had some revelations since then. Jacob has discovered that he's not insane. I'm not. If Jacob would like to roll again on that question, that, I believe, is information that is being concealed here. So, investigate a mystery. Well, I'm going to think real hard. That is an eight. And I would like to know what is being concealed here within the folds of my gray matter. I believe Jesse remembers what that is. <laughs> I do. It's the symbols. Yes. So find the book, find the blood, find the symbols. The book, the blood, the symbols. The book, the blood, the symbols. The book, the blood, the symbols. That's right. You know, something about them symbols. Symbols. Yeah, musical instruments. We gotta find some. No, no, no. Symbols as in glyphs or letters. Oh, you know, that's probably what they did mean by that. Anyway, I want to pass the book over to to Grace. Do I, like, recognize this book? Does it look like the Necronomicon or, like, 
any, you know, kind of famous. Looks like a really ornate journal. It's not thick. It's only got, you know, maybe a dozen pages or so in it. It looks uh, maybe handmade. Does it look handmade? Yes. Just out of curiosity. Okay, cool. I will open it and see what's inside. Does it have anything about, like, the blood of those gifted with powers in it? Inside, the pages are blank. Blank and blank and blank. Except for one. Kind of in the middle. Uh... And on that page, written in some kind of... Blood. Dark (laughs) substance. (laughs) Our list of names. Arthur Love, Chris Luther, Celia Cardwell, and Red Winters. Along with the words, come to the house, come to the library. What are you doing? You hear voices out in the, um, in the atrium. Just some murmurings of, of people coming back upstairs, presumably. Right, so I'm going to turn to the guys. I was like, so how much pretense are we going to keep giving here? I'm, I'm getting, I'm ready to get some, some answers the hard way, if you understand what I mean. No, I agree. I don't wish to play out this facade any longer than necessary. We're, we're being played. We're playing somebody else's game right now. I say we go start go throwing monkey wrenches into it. I want to use a move. It's called a destructive genius. Given a bit of time, I can turn household accessible items into temporary but hideous weapons. I want to see if I can hook up. <laughs> this is horrible. I want to see if I can hook up the microphone sound that just happened to play on command when I need it. Well, you have a bunch of bare wires down there, so have you no have you no mercy. This is a this is a an extraordinary measure. It cause a massive distraction or incapacitate. Somebody who's coming, say, towards us down a hallway or uh, any other such circumstances. Dang, it's a 12. Yeah, you feel you can replicate that um, and you get it hooked up to a uh, remote system? No mercy. No forgiveness. Only screeching. I have any recollection of these names in any previous files I have perused from the 50s or whatever. Uh, Go ahead and investigate a mystery. Awesome. Eight, what is being concealed here in regards to the book as I'm looking at these names? Not all, but more names stand out than should. Not the first names, but the last names. You've seen those last names on files in the filing cabinets down in the filing room of the old osteopathic hospital. Celia Cardwell, Red Winter. No, not the first names. The last names. Oh, okay. So here's something odd, guys. You guys, I know this is going to sound really crazy because it's still crazy to me and I don't understand how I was in the 50s in the first place. But these names are really familiar. It doesn't seem like it was the same ones, but I think it's a family thing. Like these family names might have a connection from what I saw in the 50s to what's going on now. And these names in the book. What's in the library? I mean, besides books. That's where they're going. You want to go meet them up in the library? You know, I'd rather do. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'd take the safety off my gun. Let's do it. As you go out into the hallway, you pass by the people that are talking out there, and, and they continue to look really kind of concerned and confused. You hear a couple of names mentioned. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Chris for, like, uh, hours, says one to another. That woman was looking for red. I slap old LJ on the chest. This little woman over here was talking about red when I... Wait, what? When I met you out here in the atrium earlier, before we headed back to the room with the with the, the Libro, there was a little old woman out here looking oh. for red. Was it an old woman? I don't know. I don't pay attention. No, she was in her mid to late 20s. <laughs> mid to late 20s. Thank you. Yeah, she was saying red. It turns out Jacob's only 15. Jacob's only 15. <laughs> Jacob, what do you think the life expectancy of the American woman is, on average? <laughs> That's right, that young woman who was saying, Red, where are you, Red? Uh, she's among the, the groups, too. I want to point, point her out to you. Do we see her, and did she ever find Red? You hear, you hear her say something like, Yeah, I haven't seen Red since lunch. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I went and took a nap, and then I, I don't know where he, he got to. You gotta love these ghost houses, man, because it's like, we're missing a few people. Ghost. Something's going down right now. Yeah, that's why I wish to proceed to the library. Lazarus wasn't in a study. These people are missing. I'm no uh, scientist or whatever you want to call yourself there, Doc, but but uh, I, I can deduce that something is going on that's not too good. I'm with Gracie, man. I think we need to get to the library. We're right there. We're right in front of it. Let's go to it. I, I agree that I 
I think these these people are. All, it's a reasonable assumption that these people are all missing, and I suspect we may discover them, as the book says in, says in the library. So you head toward the library. Meanwhile, in Bloodson, uh-huh. <laughs> as Grace and Lori and Chauncey make their way through the rubble and then through the rest of town toward the old church in the center of Bloodson, where Nathan says that um, Isabella is. She was trying to get to the church to get the the church, the clergy to round up the townspeople, right? She was supposed to um, um, go around and, and find uh, people that could help us. But, you know, um, uh, that fellow, uh, the one that you said you worked with there, Harvey. Yeah, and so she had gone in there, like, as we were leaving town to confront the dweller. So she's been in there for a while, right? Uh, yeah, I uh, heard a scream from in there, and it sounded like her, and I was trying to make my way to it when, well, you know, when those things um, uh, got got to me. I'm surprised you made it away so far. You, you survived werewolf jaws? Running away? It's a good night for you. I'm re- I'm trying real hard not to die tonight. M- Mr. Redbone, where did you get the sword? I would dearly love one. Where did I get my what? So- sword. From the antique shop? Uh, here, you can use it. I don't want it. Oh, why, thank you so much. You know what? I feel like trying out some more of my magic. Ooh. All right, I want to try to enchant that sword. <gasps> I'm trying to use some magic. I want to see if I can, if I can do it. That is a eight. So you enchant it to plus one harm. It's also plus magic. There is a glitch, though. What would you like to choose? I would like to choose the magic draws immediate unwelcome attention. Chauncey, you make arcane signs in the air around the sword. Golden glyphs form and embed into it, glowing slightly with a, with a burning after image. And then there is a great kaboom (laughs) as the magic is infused into the sword. It almost ripples for a moment, but then straightens, becomes stronger, sharper, glowier. Sorry about that, guys. Um, Yeah, I'm sucking the hang of it. I think it's coming back to me, though. You hear the sound of wings coming from the direction of where Castle Kane once was. Or perhaps to worry a little bit. Wings? Oh, great. Okay, I'm going to turn. What is it? Uh, you see dark shapes in the sky. I suggest we head inside, into the church where Isabella... Uh, at this time, Lori's pretty much already made it up the steps. Would you guys like to come in anytime soon? That would be great. You know, Angel inviting me to church. Let's go! Lori puts their hand on the door. Back in the house... Grace and Jacob and LJ open the door of the library. It is unlocked despite the sign on the door that says... Uh, Closed for renovations, April 2018. The library of the house is not in a large room, but the space feels large. Books line shelves that reach from wall to wall and from ceiling to floor. On first glance, apparently all fiction. A pair of plush, comfortable chairs and a small table with a reading light make the room even more inviting. In fact, despite the illusion of size, the library would seem a fine and cozy place except for the dark stains on the pale hardwood veneer floor. There is something disturbing about those. At first they seem random, as if some clumsy workman spilled paint after tripping on the lintel, but there's something about the pattern, and something about the color, as if the stains were blood in Bledson. Lori, you open the door to the Bledson church. It is a giant door. It is an ancient church. The door is heavy, but swings toward you almost easily on well-oiled hinges. Inside, the air smells like blood. A dim, sepia-toned light illuminates the scene. Dust motes suspended, nearly motionless. A body is draped across the shadowed altar. A figure sits on the second-to-top step of the dais. There is blood everywhere. In the library of the house, you enter. You look around. Lazarus Kane steps from a corner and says, Hello. Welcome to the house. Welcome to my library. You are not who you seem. Well, then who the hell am I, man? We have not misrepresented our identities. You're not here as guests. You're here looking for Haven Harrow. What do you know about it, dude? Have you seen her? What do you think's going on here, old colleague of mine? And he chuckles a little bit. Can I lock the door behind us? Sure, if you like. 
Yeah, I don't want people coming in behind us. Someone here is meddling things that shouldn't be meddled in, on a scale grander than any meddling should happen. Oh, you you think it's the Nyx Collective? Amazon, perhaps? Dear Doctor. I frankly don't care who it is. And also short-sighted. No matter. They serve their purpose. My goals are almost complete. The machinery is in place. It just requires the right sacrifices. I go for my gun. You pull the gun. It's quite easy to do. He ignores you. Oh, man, I level him. This man's insane. It wants the right blood. Blood with power in it. And that's not yours, but, you know, can't hurt, can it? Uh, I've heard all I need to. Beg to differ. <laughs> in Bledson's church, oh! <laughs> in Bledson's church, the four of you draw closer, and you see that the body on the altar is that of a priest. Your contact here in Bledson, Grace. Oh, shit. Blood still flows from the severed arteries in his neck. The pulses come more slowly until the blood just drizzles. The figure on the steps looks up. Is Bella. Oh, shit. She smiles at you. Mm, I knew it. I understand now. I was so scared. Yes, scared. Of everything. But I didn't need to be. Mm. In the house, Lazarus Kane grins as you raise the gun. And a nearly sub-audible hum rises from the floor. A vibration deep in your marrow that starts at your feet and flows up to the tips of each hair follicle on your head. The stains on the wood veneer darken. Blood wells up in the symbols, and they flare with light. They are not random patterns at all, but a glyph that fills nearly half the library. All of you stand within the circle of that glyph, and Cain laughs. Get out! Get out! Get out of the circle! You may not all be inheritors of power like your reporter friend, but that doesn't mean you can't die just as easily. (laughs) Not that you'll remember any of this when you do. What? (laughs) He looks fondly at the shelves and shelves of books lining the library. But then he looks at Jacob because Jacob has the gun and he sees the journal shoved in Jacob's pants. And his eyes widen and he raises a hand and he takes a step forward into the circle. And he says, you have the book? No, wait, no. In Bledson, the church sits hunched beneath a still dark sky. Isabella lifts a bloody, dripping pin in her right hand. The pin is thick, ornate, old-fashioned. In her left hand, she holds a book, hardly thicker than a journal. The cover is of old wood, carved, lacquered. He had the book. I found it up there when I ran. I wrote in it like I did when I had the bad dreams. And now I remember. Not okay. <laughs> I'm so upset. I knew when I found creepy girls in magic shops that I should have just... Oh my god, I wanted to like her so bad. I'm, I'm so sad. Oh no. Oh. What is she doing? What on earth is this? I mean, besides the massacre, the psychoticness. I wonder, is there is there a spell being performed here? I think what I want to do is like put the sword to the side, like, non-threatening and, like, slowly approach, like, Isbella, are you feeling quite all right? Isbella? No. She holds up the book, opens it. On a blank page there are written three words in large, bloody letters. In the library of the house, the circle of glyphs erupts with light. (gasps) And for a moment, that light is all there is until you find yourself somewhere else. My name... It is night. A storm rages across the English moors. Rain slants down, blown by a chill wind from the north. Lightning flashes, illuminating the stark landscape of rolling moors and isolated copses of slumped and haggard trees. The road is a morass of mud and slick stones. The town of Bledson is too far behind. The only light for miles, other than that of the crackling as the sky is sundered, is that coming from a sprawling stone manor that is more castle than house. Is Haven... The manor looms even larger, a dark presence against the dark sky as you approach the light, a single glassed-in lantern hanging beside an overlarge oaken door. The lamp sways in the wind and claps against the stone wall it hangs from. Isabel. You are not the only petitioner come to this door on the most unruly of nights. Two others approach the castle. After briefly nodding to one another, Grace Moreau, Laurie of the Angels, and Mr. Chauncey Candlewick enter Castle Kane. Harrow. And somewhere else, in an empty library rimmed with books, one falls from a shelf 
It lands on a stained hardwood floor that still smokes with the after-effects of magic. We see the title, The Mysterious Castle of Bledson. It reads, What? What? Fuck. <laughs> awesome. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel, with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks. And then Isabella, or Haven, takes her bloody pen and writes again in the book, and then she holds it up so that you can see what she has written. Four words. Remember who you are. Master level stuff right here, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>